Today's episode is brought to you by Yelp, whose mission is to connect people with great local businesses. They're also helping me connect with you, which is totally awesome. Now here we go. But it's always been my goal to create a different environment, to um, inspire other people to get into this industry, to create an, an essential utopia that you come into the kitchen and you are excited to be there. No one is yelling at you. No one is throwing things. You know, it's not dominated by toxic masculinity or it's not over. It's not heavy. Welcome to Full Comp, a show offering insight into the future of the hospitality industry, featuring restaurateurs, thought leaders, and innovators served up on the house. If hosting this show has made one thing incredibly clear, it's that teamwork, data, and resources will be what help us thrive post-pandemic. Understanding that, Yelp and I have created a cheat sheet, offering insight into consumer behavior, popular trends, and free tools and resources to help you get open and stay open. You can download that guide at joshcopel.com forward slash resources. Didn't write that down? There's a link in the show notes as well. I never wanted to be the first anything. It takes courage to do something no one has ever done before, to dream a new dream. Chef Andrea Drummer has that courage. Today, we discuss the changing tides within our industry and our culture, covering everything from cannabis to diversity. Was there a moment where you realized that, that, that the rules were, were different or, or that maybe, maybe that this wasn't an equitable world? You know, my siblings and I kind of grapple with this, this very question, because we grew up in a, in a place of, you know, for all intents and purposes, we were kind of poor, but we grew up in a middle class um, neighborhood and there were small signs of, of things, but because we were happy and felt loved and had pretty much everything that we needed, maybe not necessarily that we wanted, it's hard to pinpoint one specific moment. But I will say, moving into the neighborhood that I grew up in, and, and it is the home that my mother still lives in to the day, we noticed white flight. You know, there were white neighbors all about when we first moved in. As the, as the um, demographic of the neighborhood kind of changed, we saw those neighbors disappeared. And many of them were our friends. They came to our house. You know, we broke bread together, but their parents decided to vacate the neighborhood. Um, so there, there was that. And then I noticed the difference. I attended um, partially private school when I was uh, junior high, elementary school. It was just a dim- different demographic. And I noticed a difference in education when I moved to predominantly Black schools. So there are all of these little pockets of things that would happen. Was I ever called the N-word or you know, was it overt? You would think so because I grew up in South Florida <laughs> in Fort Lauderdale. <laughs> Not until I was, um, I think I was about 19. I remember like it was yesterday. I had gone to a salon. I'd gone to a salon in kind of like a more affluent neighborhood. You know, I, I felt special that day because I was able to treat myself. And I came out of the salon, the way that it was situated, like in a strip mall, but on a, like on the side of a major street. And I came out and I was um, about to cross the street to get to my vehicle. And there was this red pickup truck that was, you know, it had seen better days. And 
a man stuck half of his body out of the window and he was a passenger and called me the n-word and i was like wow i just i just spent a lot of money getting my nails done (laughs) it's quite a lot and here this guy come and i my immediate thought was that there for him is some lack it's not about me because he doesn't know me and so for whatever reason wherever he feels some lack that i should not have been there at that time it has to do with him in his heart and for him, I felt bad because I wasn't affected. I didn't, I was, I didn't feel anger. I didn't feel like, how dare you? I didn't feel, it, did, it meant nothing to me because it was about him. How did you get into culinary? You know, I was, I always, I was always creative in the kitchen. I've cooked, you know, creatively since probably since I was seven. But I didn't think of it as a career because, you know, as a Southern gal, you're, you're supposed to know how to cook before you leave the house. I didn't think of my, think that my consideration about food or that I had an extraordinary palate or that, you know, I could pluck out ingredients just in taste. Um, I didn't think of it as anything significant or special. So I, I just created and I would cook for my friends. But once I moved to California, and decided to transition um, careers. I I had to give it serious consideration what I wanted to do and what direction I wanted to go in. So this is my second career. What was your first? Nonprofit. And believe it or not, not, a lot of that work had to do with um, preaching the gospel of just say no to the gateway drug, cannabis. Really? (laughs) And here I am, the the yes, ma'am. Well, let's dig right into that. So, so what what initially attracted you to, to cannabis and cooking with cannabis? I started out in cooking with it as a patient, moving from New York at the time in 2007 to California. I was more open to what cannabis was providing for people. And again, I'm transitioning from all of that rhetoric and propaganda seeing how it is um, accepted and uh, for medicinal purposes back then and how it was used differently. And, you know, it wasn't a clandestine transaction on the the, street corner or, you know, someone pulling up to your house and sticking their hand through the wire grate or whatever. Um, Mm -hmm. There were plants growing in windows in reputable dispensaries. (laughs) (laughs) Of course, I was like, huh, that's, you know, once I transition into the kitchen, and as you know, that's very rigorous and taxing work. And I'm doing it at a later age in life. I experienced a lot of pitfalls, ailments, back pain, severe chronic pain, and was offered or prescribed opiates for the thing, which I thought, yeah, it hurts, but does it hurt that bad? Right, right. And so I opted for the alternative. And from there, in understanding how your body metabolizes it differently by way of eating, it just made sense for me to integrate these two new things in my life, which was cannabis and, and culinary. Well, and you also see a role for cannabis in the industry overall, right? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Because we know that the growing demographic of those consuming are older patients who are kind of re-entering consuming and they don't want to do it by way of smoking. Um, right. So we, we, there has to be an option. And this is something that is every day. It's, it's an easy application and it just kind of made sense for me. So I thought there has to be other people like myself. And again, that that's at large a growing demographic 
of consumers. Well, and I'd like I'd like to ask some questions that that are from from Maine um, because I'm sure other people have these questions as well. I've never been to a cannabis dinner, mm-hmm. so when you go to a cannabis dinner, do you leave stoned out of your mind? How does it? How does what 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 is the the net effect? You leave stoned, not necessarily out of your mind. Uh-huh. <laughs> um, and is this is this like a high, like a THC high, or is it a CBD high, or or are you able to choose your own path? You're able to choose as a consumer. You are absolutely able to choose your own path. Um, if you want to leave stoned, yeah, that is that's your prerogative. Um, the dinners are are very different. It's like, it's the difference between you eating every day at home and treating yourself to a per se experience. Mm-hmm. Going, you know, going to a high-end restaurant and, and indulging that way. So it, it, is, it is that different. What I hope to bring is the experience that you could, um, this is applicable at home. Um, but regarding your question, yeah, you, you can choose the experience. So my guests come to me and they will I do a consultation. I ask them of their tolerance, what they're looking for, what they want to experience. And so sometimes I may have a table of 10 and some of the parties may want a, you know, a lighter experience. I'm also able to infuse on site to enhance um, the food. So it's mm-hmm. completely up to the guest and knock on wood so far. Everyone, you know, the, the consumers that come for a private experience, they're pretty much on it and they know their tolerance level and they know what experience they want. And they're very mindful of their guests. So everyone, it's a really cool experience to be a part of and to watch as the chef. Because it's like a watch- choose your own adventure from, from a, a, a margin standpoint. What does it look like relative to booze? Is, is the cannabis more expensive to acquire? There are different levels to it. Let me try to put it in perspective. <laughs> but with the cafe, the, it was, you know, cannabis was a substitute for, for liquor. More or less, it could, it could be pricey. Uh, and yeah, it could cost you a pretty penny to dine, you know, much again, like if you were to go to Alenia or um, French Laundry or, you know, one of these high, very high-end establishments. Mm-hmm. Um, but the cannabis there was separate. Now, in terms of a private dining experience, well, you have that. It's a private dining experience. So it's, it, it, that's going to be costly. You know, at the same time, I purchased my, my product wholesale. It's high, it's high quality. It's one grower who's been growing for over 30 years. It is um, high in CBD, um, all organic, outdoor grown. And so that costs a little more. But again, my intention or my hope is that this is so accessible and it, and it, it will become the difference of do I buy the regular lettuce versus the organic lettuce. Um, but if you're going for top shelf, you're going to pay a little more for that experience. I mean, you see the same thing in booze as well. You can buy, you can buy pop-off vodka or you can buy the, the most expensive brand out there. Exactly. Huh? I don't want it to be scary for for the consumer, or for anyone inter- interested or entering into the experience. I would also say that people are a lot more open-minded since, let's say, the global pandemic. Yeah. This is like a huge fast-forwarding of, of thought processes and, and ways of doing business and conventional thinking is, is completely changed just in a matter of months. Have you found that as well? 
I have. I and I have. I've gotten more inquiries. I've gotten more interest in what I do. I've gotten a lot of inquiries about private events, and I'm like, hello, pandemic. But I find that you know, people that follow me or my guests are or my clients, they are more interested in an at-home experience. And so that's also something that I'm working on, whereas I don't have to come personally, but you're able to, you know, bring this into your home, just incorporate it into your morning scrambled eggs or tofu or whatever. It is so bananas how things are changing, you know, and certainly not to say that the dine-in restaurant is done because I think there's always a place for it in this world, but you're seeing these new places pop up for culinary as well, right? And, And that, that private chef market and that dine-at-home experience, mm-hmm. takeout and delivery, it's all being redefined like in real time as we're speaking, which is exciting. You know, they, they, we have lost so much, but there are also so many new opportunities out there. Absolutely. And we have to be able to um, look at it as an opportunity and, and do something with this moment, um, whether it's redefining the at-home experience or redefining the the restaurant experience and what that looks like for us as um, entrepreneurs and also for the guests and for the people that work with us. I I agree with you. And and that that beautifully bridges into the next thing I wanted to talk about, which was the opportunities within the industry for change. I interviewed uh, Chef Andrew Zimmer. And -hmm. one of the things that, that he had the guts to say on the show, which it's something that, that I think everybody knows is that the restaurant industry, by and large, hasn't done real well by women, hasn't done real well by minorities. And this is an opportunity to change all of that. Everybody's back to zero. And so do you see those opportunities? I do. Say I do because I have and because I've always been a Black woman. And so I'm always looking for those opportunities to change and advance the industry in favor of, of course, Black women because and, and minorities, because I am that. Um, and so I think what, what happens, you know, in all honesty, we are innately just about what affects us directly, right? And so mm-hmm. the opportunity is yours. The opportunity is for you and other, my other white male counterparts to kind of get in here with us. And, and gladly, we welcome that, that, that from you and whatever you have to contribute. But it's always been my goal to create a different environment, inspire other people to get into this industry, to create an, uh, like an essential utopia that you come into the kitchen and you are excited to be there. No one is yelling at you. No one is throwing things. You know, it's not dominated by um, toxic masculinity or, you know, it's not over. It's not heavy. You're, yeah. you're not throwing yourself on a slab working 18 hour shifts or, you know, you're, you're not a mar- martyr because you, if you are not good for yourself, you can't be good for the kitchen. Quite frankly, that's not the energy that I want to see go into food. I, I've never been an advocate for it. I, I went independent because that's what I came up in and, and I wanted to see if I could do it differently. The bulk of my career has been recreating something different and I... I am privileged in that I had complete autonomy to do that. And so that is not, that doesn't, that doesn't elude me. You know, I don't Mm -hmm. take that lightly because not everyone has that. But I do believe, you know, we, we have made leaps and bounds in terms of technology. We've created the wheel. We have tubes of metal flying through the air. So (laughs) 
we could reimagine this. Do you feel like the desire is there to do so on, on a larger scale than there has been? Yeah, I think um, what we've seen um, in terms of the social climate and um, political climate, the world has set us still that we have no option but to observe how impactful our silence has been. So when we go back into the, I, I can't imagine that everyone has changed for whatever that means to you. Everyone has, there has been a shift globally. Um, and so some things will be different. And I am optimistic that that will be in a good way. You know, when you say the word silence, it like hits me in my gut because one of the things that has come out of the Black Lives Matter movement is I've never been political. I'm a restaurateur. You know what I mean? My opinions are your opinions as long as you're dining in the restaurant and you pay your bill at full price. That 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 has always that that has always been the ethos. That there was no place for my personal politics in my business. And, and I now see so clearly how devastating that that philosophy has been to, to equality and, and diversity and, and inclusion, you know, within this industry and within this this country. And, and so, you know, I made it very clear at the beginning of this podcast that you and I are very best friends and that it's a very recent relationship, but, you know, not for everyone listening, but for me, obviously I'll make the changes that I need to within my own restaurant. What else can I do? Listen and have an open heart. And when I say open heart, I know that that is a very cliche statement and ask, um, but what an open heart means is to be open to hear the truth of, of the people that work for you and listen in a way that you can incite change. I'll tell you a brief story of someone very close to me sharing that they believed that Kamala Harris was, um, was the, the candidate because she is light complected, right? And this close person to me is darker complected. My initial response was, I don't care if she was elected because she has red shoes, or I don't care. That's neither here nor there. We have a job to do, right? Mm -hmm. And I had to step back and say, her experience is as a dark complected Black woman, which is very different from mine. And so I can't be dismissive of that. I have to listen for whatever that means to her. And so there, you know, in that there had to be a second conversation. And it's not me just projecting what I want to see happen or what, you know, as you say, politics don't belong here. It's right. listening with an open heart to say, yeah, I hear what that means to you. And what, what do I do or what, what do you need from me in this moment? So we, we, are, we have to be better listeners, man, myself included. What gives you hope in this moment? What, what excites you when you look at your career, when you look at the industry at large? What, what, what offers optimism? That we are still, even in this place, creating us all, and that we, are, we do have this opportunity to really listen and do a deep dive into what that means to the world in the future, what that means for your babies and your grandbabies and how we want to exist that we are thinking of, of these things, that gives me hope and that we're still creating. You know, I get many um, ideas thrown at me and that excites me that we're still in this place of creating and, and, and a desire 
we all have to be better. I love that. In this shit, are, are there any lessons that you've learned? Any, any mistakes that people should avoid that you made in your own career? Would I call them e- mistakes even? That's a difficult one because my job or my being is very new, you know? Mm-hmm. So I was kind of creating this thing as I go and it's very new. So, you know, I get a lot of inquiries like, what, how do you do it? What did you do? Tell me the, and it's like, I don't know. There wasn't a playbook that, you know, so I, maybe I made a lot of mistakes or some mistakes as it relates to the business end, or there were no specific rules for what I do. Um, and so I'm creating them with intention and not just kind of by the seat of my pants. It's what is what is this going to look like for the next cannabis restaurant? And how can I be of service to them that they can get it right on the first turn? So I don't I don't know. It might come out in the wash. <laughs> <It's> like, <laughs> <laughs> but, well, there's also a lot to be said for being true to oneself, though the vision wasn't clear that the end result was right. The desire, the feeling. Absolutely. I, I say that always is is move with intention and purpose. And I knew going in, you know, I wasn't following this thing to to be super rich or, you know, like it wasn't the, the money grab for me. It's because I believe in what I what I'm doing with my whole heart and soul. And so things have happened in my career that I never would have dreamed of um, or never would have thought could manifest when I was begging guests to pay for a $20 plate. <laughs> <That included. laughs> And duck confit. I'm like, where are you going to get five courses? And, you know, they didn't believe me. But I knew Mm -hmm. that what I was doing and what I am doing is of importance to the world on many levels. So it's with that intention that I am and that I do do the work that I do. So, yeah, be intentional and be of purpose and it'll happen. Absolutely. And when you're looking at a 60% closure rate, what you see is a lot of the noise is gone. So, so th- there is that opportunity to be original and authentic and, and passion driven. Absolutely. Because we get caught up in just doing, you know, what's expected or what is considered normal. And these, these are procedures. And, you know, we're busy. People are living their lives. They're trying to feed their families. They're trying to find some moment or, you know, semblance of silence for themselves in the day-to-day rigmarole. But yeah, now you are you have the opportunity to be still and like, hey, how can I do do it differently? How can I be intentional? What is my purpose? How do I move in that? And that I would pray excites you. I would hope that it excites you to think about that. And that, you know, I see a lot of people angry because they have to wear a mask, because they can't go back to the job that they posted in January that they hate it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, right. <laughs> it's like, okay, you have the opportunity to create something different for yourself. Be excited about that. For sure. And, and this is an opportunity to be to be open and transparent with each other, right? You don't hear any restaurateurs out there saying, man, I really wish things would go back to the way they were before. I sure do miss those hundred hour work weeks. Exactly. You know, there is an opportunity to improve things overall. And with that in mind, it is an industry podcast. And at the end of every episode, I'd like to give the guests an opportunity to speak directly to the audience. Do you have any words of advice or uh, encouragement that you'd like to offer? Every voice matters. Every moment matters. Everything that you put into the universe impacts someone else. 
including you. Everything that I do impacts you. And so it is imperative that we all understand our roles and understand how how we impact each other. And I would hope that you embrace that as a good challenge. I do. And that we all seek to be better to the world, to each other, to the universe. That's Chef Andrea Drummer. To see what the chef is working on, follow her on Instagram using the handle CannaQueen71. If you want to tell us your story, hear previous episodes, check out our video content, or read our weekly blog, go to joshkopel.com. That's J-O-S-H-K-O-P-E-L.com. Thank you so much for listening to the show. You can subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. And while you're there, please leave us a review. A special thanks to Yelp for helping us spread the word to the whole hospitality community. I'm Josh Kopel. You've been listening to Full Comp.